This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Monday afternoon, April 4th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. We'll go in-depth on the Elon Musk Twitter play in our next segment. But right now, minutes from the Fed's March gathering highlights a relatively light week of data. Joining us with a preview is Tom Hudson, the week-ahead columnist, McClatchy Tribune News Services, based in Miami. Tom, thanks for joining us today. Every time we talk about about the minutes from a Fed meeting being released and all of the analysts uh, pour over those minutes to get some clues of some sort of upcoming policy change or an interest rate hike. It reminds me of like some sort of science fiction or fantasy movie where the uh, <laughs> prophets look over the uh, revealed texts from some ancient religion, uh, maybe like right. the Jedi Knights. Um, <laughs> but but it's, in this case, it's not a mystery. We're not using no. the force. We know there is going to be more interest rate hikes in 2022. It's just a matter of trying to divine how many and how high. Yeah, there, there's no hologram here. Uh, there's there's no hidden messages and invisible ink in these minutes. And frankly, there's not going to be a lot of reading between the lines, which is usually kind of the practice that happens when the minutes from a Federal Reserve Open Market Committee meeting are released. Instead, uh, you're absolutely right, Rob. The lens is... Uh, how fast and how many. And I think that the market last week got very comfortable with the fact that uh, the interest rate hikes from the Federal Reserve are going to accelerate faster than anticipated just a few weeks ago. And in fact, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, all but pledged that. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to hear from the, uh, the Chicago Regional Bank President uh, Evans this week and see what kind of uh, hints he delivers there in the Midwest about this. But the market clearly getting more and more comfortable with a half a percent increase at the next Federal Open Markets Committee meeting and probably a few more of those. Uh, just today, we got the annual letter from J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimond uh, saying that perhaps the uh, fiscal stimulus medicine provided to the economy during the worst of the pandemic was a little too much and lasted a little too long. Again, making the argument that the Federal Reserve needs to meaningfully, materially uh, increase interest rates in order to try to squeeze out inflation sooner rather than later. Orders for manufactured goods falling uh, half a percentage point in the month of February, the first decline following nine consecutive months of monthly increases. Is this a function of supply chain issues or is this a function of factories dialing back on production uh, in advance of the fact that it's going to cost a lot more to finance those big purchases in the coming weeks? 
I think mostly the former, Rob. Uh, this is mostly a, a, a consequence of the supply chain pinching that continues, particularly overseas. Uh, and you saw this in one component primarily, really, in the factory orders where transportation factory orders were down by better than 5%. Here we're talking about automotion, uh, automotive uh, 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 industry, right? The semiconductor uh, and uh, other material uh, shortages that have impacted and helped uh, helped contribute to the overall inflation number. So on one hand, this is really a sign of the supply chain constraints. On the other hand, this can be a, a continued longer lasting contributor to the higher inflation, feeding again into that feedback that the Federal Reserve is looking at, likely to push it to raise rates uh, faster and uh, perhaps higher than anticipated just a few months ago. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Tom Hudson, Week Ahead columnist, McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Coming up, Tesla owner Elon Musk becomes Twitter's biggest shareholder. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. After hinting at a social media shakeup, Tesla's Elon Musk takes a 9.2% stake in Twitter to become the platform's biggest shareholder. Joining us now with the details is Angelo Zeno, Senior Equity Analyst, CFRA Research, based in New York. Angelo, thanks for joining us today. It is very interesting to talk about Twitter's place in the social media universe, especially given its outsized influence in the world of media and politics. Elon Musk is uh, buying this stake in Twitter. He is now uh, the platform's biggest shareholder, but he is inheriting or is now taking a controlling interest or a large interest in a social media platform that is kind of lagging behind Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the, the, the things that probably intrigued Musk in taking this stake is, listen, anyone that takes a stake of this magnitude in any company does want to, is first and foremost looking to make money out of it. And um, when you kind of look at Twitter here over the last five, seven years, they've clearly disappointed um, investors uh, as well as kind of the, the installed base in terms of uh, being able to kind of monetize that platform. They just haven't been able to do a good job, um, you know, making money um, to the extent that some of the other platforms have. And um, I think this is a really interesting kind of uh, stake by Musk. I mean, he's definitely uh, previously criticized Twitter's ability to run their platform. And he, he himself has indicated interest in starting his own uh, social media company. So this makes sense from Elon Musk's perspective in the sense that if you're looking to start up your own uh, social media company, it's probably easier to take a stake like this and potentially even take a full ownership stake over time in the company than it is kind of starting it up from scratch. So, um, you know, get, we continue to believe this is an underperforming, um, attractively valued um, asset that can do a lot more to monetize its platform. And, you know, over time, if they can execute here, um, it, it, it potentially represents a great opportunity, not only for Musk, but other investors out there. There have been a number of, att of attempts uh, on the part of Twitter to uh, open up the platform and make it a little more like a Facebook or an Instagram or a TikTok. But once again, you see these uh, the Pew Research poll that said 22% uh, of adults had Twitter accounts, and of that 22%, only maybe eight or nine percent were would be considered regular users of Twitter. So it has a very small share of the social media space. So Elon Musk would have to be uh, very innovative in trying to move that needle. Yes, I mean, listen, I, I think when we 
think about this it, being being successful within uh, on a social media platform or ha- having a social media platform out there it's it's all about engagement levels and the problem with twitter has been um engaging engaging with their installed base out there in fact among all the platforms out there uh twitter has the lowest engagement level out there i think the average um user out there spends well under 10 minutes a day on that on that platform so um there's a lot more that can be done whether it be via um, e-commerce or other methods, um, there is a lot more that can be done to kind of get users out there um, to kind of stick to that platform, use, you know, get more eye attention there. And if they can do that, and I think Elon Musk himself, just by having a stake in this company, just by him, and, and this is a guy with over 80 million um, followers on his Twitter platform, if he can kind of uh, make any sort of dent or kind of get some of the right people in place, I think it makes sense to eventually put him on the board himself, given the type of visionary that he is. Um, if he can kind of um, do anything along the lines um, that can drive some success for the company, I, I think this has the potential um, to be an absolute home run for him. Thanks for joining us. Angelo Zeno, Senior Equity Analyst, CFRA Research, based in New York. Coming up next, why millennials are behind when it comes to saving for retirement and what they can do to get ahead. The Noon Business Hour is, present, is sponsored by Mesero Wealth Management. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Studies find that millennials are behind when it comes to saving for their retirement, but there are things they can do to get ahead. Joining us now is Ed Jertson, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. Ed, thanks for joining us today. How much did the Great Recession of 2008 set millennials behind just as they were getting out of college or in their uh, first job that would allow them to save for retirement? Well, that that stunted growth, if you would, when they all graduated, left them into a really challenging job market. And so those those initial jumping out of college into a recession environment really doesn't help. But ultimately, they found their footing. The jobs were there. And now it's a function of now that you're gainfully employed, what do you do and how do you do to save only not only for today, but also in the future? And you can talk about saving for retirement in terms of 401ks, but also in terms of building wealth that you could eventually apply towards your retirement later on. So how is this red-hot job market helping millennials who may have purchased their first home in the last couple of years or are doing so right now? So, Rob, first and foremost, let's retire the word retirement for younger generations, right? Let's talk about financial independence. That tends to resonate a little bit more with them, that they're looking to becoming financially independent, you know, hopefully earlier than their 60s, let's just say from that standpoint. But right now, it's a hot job market. So looking to negotiate higher wages and higher benefits goes a long way, not only today, but in the future. So if you do have an opportunity in this hot job market to better yourself financially, by all means, go do it. But don't look to spend that extra income. Look to save that extra income. And what are what are some ways that uh, you can make sure not only you're saving money, but also uh, make sure that money grows ahead of the rate of inflation? 
Yeah, that's the key, right? So putting money just in a savings account earning 0.01% is not going to get you that far ahead. And that's where contributing to whether it's a individual IRA or through your company's retirement plan is a great idea. And those monies which are geared to long-term goals should be invested in the stock market. So be smart about it. Start simple. If it's a target date fund that's available in your uh, in your retirement account, that's terrific. But also make sure you're maximizing the match. If your company offers a match, that's free money, and you should at least target the absolute minimum to get there. And then when it comes to uh, above and beyond just utilizing your, uh, your your company retirement savings plan, 401, I know we shouldn't say retirement, but utilizing <laughs> your company savings plan, what if you want to start doing some investing on your own? There is a lot of advice out there. There are a lot of places you can go that treat it almost like it's Las Vegas and not New York and Wall Street. But where are some places where you can go to try you know, do it yourself and, and try and set up your own? Uh, uh, savings, your own little fund uh, that you can use to to just to, to to grow grow wealth, basically. Yeah, it's a great point, Rob. And, and so, for all your listeners, whether they're millennials or older generation, be patient. Right, financial independence doesn't happen overnight. Chasing meme stocks, crypto, NFTs will not end financially well for most participants. So have a core portfolio. And like you said, if you start an account outside of your um, outside of your company's uh, retirement plan, you know, look for some of the bigger custodial names. But again, don't look to trade day to day. Look to take some of that extra side money, invest it, add it on a monthly basis. Don't even look at it after a while. Just let it kind of reinvest and set it on automatic pilot. That's another great way, of, another good financial cornerstone in your overall financial plan. Thanks for joining us, Ed Jertson, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden calls for a war crimes trial against Russian President Vladimir Putin. The latest coming up from CBS News. Up ahead, we'll take a look at what's moving Wall Street. A major tennis shoe brand shores up its presence in the U.S. An expert shares a pair of picks on this stock picker Monday. WBBM Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 29 points. The NASDAQ is up 218. The S&P 500 is up 33. The AccuWeather forecast for the rest of today. Clouds and a couple of breaks of sunshine. Rather brisk afternoon. A sprinkle in spots. A high today of 53. Going down to 38 tonight with partial clearing. We have 45 degrees right now in Chicago under cloudy skies at 1231. CBS News Special Report. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky visits Bucha. It is where Russian forces are accused of killing dozens of civilians, some reportedly shot dead while their hands were bound. CBS's Holly Williams has more from the region. In the town of Bucha, the streets are littered with bodies. Some, with their hands tied behind their back, appear to have been executed. Others are buried in a mass grave. President Biden repeated his accusation that Vladimir Putin is a war criminal and he called for a war crimes trial. He said the U.S. will continue to help Ukraine. We have to gather the information. We have to continue to provide Ukraine with the weapons they need to continue the fight. And authorities today seized a mega yacht in Spain owned by an oligarch with close ties to Putin at the demand of the United States. The U.S. and European authorities have impounded several yachts with links to Russian tycoons. CBS News Special Report. I'm Matt Piper. Hey, it's 12.32 on the Noon Business Hour. Stocks are uh, generally higher today. Joining us with the latest in what's moving Wall Street is Jeff Kilberg, the chief investment officer with Sanctuary Wealth based in Chicago. Jeff, I had to pause for a second because uh, the Dow has been a, a little bit of a roller coaster ride today, uh, above and below the flat line. But the story, it sounds like today, is the NASDAQ. It's popped in a big way. And is that entirely Elon Musk uh, buying that share of Twitter? Well, Rob, it certainly has a lot to do with Elon Musk. We are seeing Twitter absolutely surge about 30% on the news that he's taking a 9% position in Twitter. But I think by and large, let's look at Q1, the first quarter. You know, there's a lot of emotion. We did see markets certainly on the move, but we closed the last three weeks. We have put together some optimism and some positive momentum to see stocks really recover. And that's all in the face of stubborn inflation. Russian invasion of Ukraine. We talk about supply chain issues still working out. And at the end of the day, we're seeing Treasury yields, the 10-year note, dramatically move higher up to 2.5%. So in the face of all those headwinds, Rob, we are seeing markets come back. But the oversold conditions in the NASDAQ 100, all the tech darlings that we love, the FANG stocks, right? Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, all those names are finally coming back as they've been just simply oversold. The, the Elon Musk Twitter play is fascinating to me because he does have a challenge ahead of him in trying to increase Twitter's market share versus the Facebooks and the TikToks and the Instagrams of the world, even though Facebook and, and Instagram are, are under the same meta flag. Um, it, he could do that. He could potentially do that and, and radically change Twitter's business model to make it more lucrative. But it sounds like the end result is that Elon Musk is going to be yelled at by a lot of people uh, You know, once their trolling account gets zapped by Twitter and they have to make up a new one. No doubt about it. And remember, this comes about two weeks after Elon Musk really criticized Twitter. 
polling people on Twitter about whether Twitter should adhere to free speech principles, but he just took a $3 billion bite of Twitter, and now that he owns you know, nearly 9%, he will do something. But how to able, be able to predict, Rob, what Elon Musk is going to do moving forward, that, that's just erratic. And at the end of the day, he does have erratic behavior, but he does deliver. And if we look at Tesla itself, that stock continues to move higher. So I'm not going to say Elon Musk has the Midas touch because he is not a friend of everyone in the investment community. But at the end of the day, he is a brilliant mind. And I think he will do something with Twitter, which has kind of gone sideways for many, many years. Yeah, it's 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 the darling of uh, media types, myself included. I, I'm part of the extreme minority uh, that would be considered a, a Twitter power user, and it definitely uh, moves the needle in in the world of politics and journalism for sure. But once you step outside of that bubble, um, it it really is a non-entity to uh, most people who are on Facebook and other social media services. So it is interesting to see how he's going to handle that. Interest rates. Um, where is the market anticipate? What is the market doing in terms of pricing and interest rate hikes at this point? Are they anticipating a hawkish Fed moving forward? That's what's being priced in, Robin. It's really interesting that you have seen a very large pivot. Fed Chairman Powell was continually talking about transitory inflation. Then he finally retired the word transitory when he admitted the fact that they're way behind the curve and there's massive inflation, runaway inflation. Here it is in Chicago. It's tangible. We're paying more for food. We're paying more for gas. So now they are pricing in more interest rate hikes. However, I'm in the camp, Rob, that we actually are going to see some inflation organically abate. It is going to come off these record levels. We haven't seen these inflation readings since like 1982. And it's remarkable to see that. But I think the Fed is preparing to move interest rates higher. But I don't think they're going to have to do it to eight, nine interest rate hikes. I'm more of the four to five interest rate hikes of 25 basis points because they're going to be more prudent. As much as they're beating their chest, I'm calling them chicken hawks. If you remember little Looney Tunes here, Rob, they're kind of just beating their chest, pretending they're hawks. But at the end of the day, they're underbelly. They really are dovish. They are accommodative. And the Fed's balance sheet is $9 trillion, Rob. Therefore, as much as they want to talk about being hawkish, they're going to continue to be accommodative and make sure that the economy doesn't have a misstep. Jeff Kilberg, Chief Investment Officer, Sanctuary Wealth, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, a major tennis shoe brand expands its U.S. manufacturing footprint. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. New Balance is shoring up its manufacturing presence in the U.S. as the footwear industry is hit hard by pandemic-fueled supply chain issues. We welcome in Jan Rogers-Niffen, the CEO of J. Rogers-Niffen Worldwide, based in New York. Jan, thanks for joining us today. As the supply chain issues dragged on for months in 2021 and now 2022, onshoring seemed inevitable. Is this the start of a trend in the close? manufacturing space? Well, clearly everybody has suffered from the same thing, not just shoe manufacturers and not just athletic shoe manufacturers. It's been a problem because so much of the production comes from abroad. As a matter of fact, almost all of it. In New Balance's case, they were already manufacturing in the U.S. They were making about 4 million pairs a year here, and this will put them up to about 5 million, a little less than 5 million pairs a year with this new factory. And They have thought that was the right thing to do for a long time, but technology has to keep up with it because otherwise the product gets too expensive. So I think you'll see more and more come back, but I think what you're really going to see is 
if you sell it in the States, you want to manufacture it in the States. If you sell it in China, you want to manufacture it in China. If you sell it someplace in the world, you want to someplace else in the world, you want to manufacture it there. So the manufacturing is probably going to get more localized as the technology allows that to happen and makes it possible cost-wise. So I certainly would expect to see more of that happen as automated knitting machines and um, 3D printers and all that become ubiquitous in manufacturing. And you don't bring a lot of jobs back, but you do bring production back. You probably noticed this plant only has about 100 people in it right now, and it's only going to have 200 maximum capacity of three quarters of a million pairs a year. That's what has to happen to bring it back and it'd be cost effective. And I think you'll see more and more of that that happen all over the world, not just here. And in, in 2013, 2014, back when uh, the last time fuel prices were almost as high as they are today, uh, there was some discussion at the very least about some more onshoring, bringing manufacturing back to the U.S. just because the cost of transporting goods across the ocean uh, was getting rather prohibitive and they didn't want to pass it along to uh, their customers. And then the price of fuel kind of collapsed and that discussion went away. But as you mentioned, uh, there have been a couple of uh, technological innovations along the way and is has have some of these supply chain issues been worked out at least uh, in in the retail space well things have gotten better there's fewer boats on the water about half as many as there were at the peak and it's getting a little faster for most things to come in so some of it's gotten worked out for sure but the fundamental problem is it's too far away and when something goes wrong and the ships back up, you really slow down and you can't get the product delivered. If factories shut down and they're not close by, you can't have any control over what's going on and you wind up with product not getting made. And then there's all the political issues. What if you'd have been making stuff in Russia or say the Ukraine? You wouldn't be getting any supply right now. Certainly in China, when they went to zero policy on the new Omicron variant, but they were always zero policy on COVID, they just shut the places down and you couldn't get anything manufactured. So everybody looked at that and they said, well, we don't just have cost issues and we don't just have oil issues. We have all kinds of issues we're trying to solve here with nearshoring and onshoring. And suddenly it looks a lot less expensive when you've got huge risk of not being close. And I think that the globalization thing is sort of over on manufacturing. We went through 40 years of that. And now we're looking at it and going, wow, there's got to be ways to get it back closer and reduce the length of the supply chain and have it faster and still be able to make it cheap enough to sell it. And technology allows that. I mean, AI is really coming on strong in manufacturing. We are going to see people making stuff closer to home and using technology to do it. Jan Rogers-Niffin, CEO of J. Rogers-Niffin Worldwide, based in New York. Come and join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come, a visit with our Monday afternoon stock picker events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. If it's Monday afternoon, that just means one thing. It's time for Stock Picker Monday. And joining us with a pair of picks is Tim Grisky, Senior Portfolio Strategist at Ingalls & Snyder, based in New York. Tim, thanks for joining us today. You have two selections. Elections uh, to, for on this stock picker Monday, and one is a uh, plucky up and coming uh, e-commerce business uh, that has touched every facet of our lives. It is Rob. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, 
Amazon, uh, obviously, you know, a household name by this time, uh, big beneficiary of the pandemic. Uh, people didn't want to go out to stores. They ordered in on Amazon. Uh, and we think that's going to just continue here, that those new uh, in, um, customers uh, of Amazon stay with ordering from home. It's just too convenient and too cost effective also with high gasoline prices. Uh, also, the Amazon brand itself, so private branding, various products has been a big hit for Amazon and obviously a big uh, moneymaker. But the, the real driver here is Amazon Web Services, the cloud business. Uh, the cloud is only about a third built out. Uh, and so we've got a lot of growth ahead. It's a competitive business, but Amazon is the leader. Uh, and we just think this stock should be the core of any portfolio. AMZN is the ticker symbol. And your next selection uh, is kind of uh, ties into the uh, rather bo robust uh, travel season that's just around the corner. Well, we certainly hope it is. So this is Booking Holdings, uh, symbol BKNG. Uh, it is, does online travel. Uh, and related type solutions. So Booking.com is one of their brands, Kayak, Priceline, uh, Open Table. Uh, their real specialty here is lodging, uh, especially in Europe or throughout really the, the rest of the world. Uh, it's a high margin business for them. Uh, it's down about 30% year over year. So it has been obviously a, a weak business, uh, but we think it's going to come storming back here. We think uh, people are sick of being locked up in their houses, and they're going to come out and start traveling and using booking to uh, find places to stay. And at the same time, uh, they can book flights and rental cars and, and all other related uh, uh, aspects of, of travel. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Tim Grisky, Senior Portfolio Strategist at Ingalls & Snyder, based in New York. The selections Amazon, AMZN, and Booking.com, BKNG. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.